As Sarah explained during the moment with children, we are in the midst of a sermon series, Rooted, Reformed, Relevant. That is First Presbyterian Church's tagline, and we're, we're taking three weeks for each of those this fall. Three weeks rooted, three weeks reformed, three weeks relevant. What is it we mean by that? What are we saying about ourselves? What are we declaring unto others about ourselves? And we've looked at what it means to be rooted in Jesus Christ, foundationally, fundamentally, two weeks ago. Last week, we looked at what it means to be rooted in this particular congregation, this church, this church family, and the generations that have nourished the roots and health and strength we know today. And then today, we look at what it is to be rooted in this particular area, Central Texas broadly, and then specifically Georgetown and the greater Georgetown area. How has God rooted us here and called us here as God's people? We're going to consider, to look at that question, we're going to consider the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 30 through 34, and then 53 to 56. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. And then down to verse 53. When they had crossed over, they came to the land at Gesenaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, they they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A few years ago, Michelle and I visited Chicago to see my sister-in-law perform in the Pirates Pirates of Penzance, a Gilbert and Sullivan production that some of you may be familiar with. It's a lot of fun. Well, as we walk into the theater, it was as, in some ways as you would expect. They, there were the, 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 the normal seats all around the stage area, very comfortable seats to sit in with, with armchairs, cushioning, all the rest, the kind of seats we long to enjoy again sometime. These seats, I should add, were the safe seats. They were the ones where the actors didn't interact with you, didn't acknowledge you were there. You were simply audience. Because there were, that night, a whole bunch of other seats available for all in attendance, and those seats were located directly on the set itself, which was absolutely huge. The set was littered with these baby pools, with with pillows in the baby pools. Uh, There were benches all over the set. There were even a couple tree houses that had been built as part of the set. And you, as a theater goer, could choose. You could have a normal, comfortable seat surrounding the main stage, or you could pick a seat on the stage. You could sit in one of the tree houses on a bench in a baby pool with pillows. And we knew that if you choose, and we as audience goers knew, if we, if we chose to be on the stage, 
There was no chance we would remain in that spot the entire production. Because once the show began and the actors began moving on stage and, and singing and dancing and walking and running and doing their parts and getting to all their spots, anytime one of those actors needed the spot where you were sitting, that actor would point to you as they're coming towards you. And that was your sign. You needed to stand up and figure out a different home for the production. Those audience members on the stage, they were part of the drama. And so if they were not moving somewhere, they were constantly attentive because at any moment, which they could not protect, they, they, they might need to, to react or begin to anticipate or, or, or move again. At the outset of our passage today in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus and his disciples, they do not have any plans to be the center of the drama, not right now. They have no plans to be at the, the mercy of the movement's of others. Not, not right now. This, we hear, is a moment to be getting away. They've gotten onto a boat. They're headed out to a deserted spot where they can rest a bit. But we read, the crowds see them. The crowds track them down. The crowds, who are the crowds? We're not told what is clear. This Mark does not say, the religious temple goers tracked Jesus down. Or those who really wanted to be followers of Jesus tracked them down. No, what, what we read is that the crowds, they, they, they caught up to Jesus. It suggests a diverse array of people and proclivities and personalities, the, the crowds. And in a moment when Jesus could have chosen to stay on the boat or maybe even turn the boat around, we read instead that Jesus heads into the drama itself. Jesus went ashore. It's a movement emblematic, really, of the entirety of Jesus' ministry. The Gospel of John perhaps most famously summarizes this particular movement of Jesus in, in John 1, 14. For the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word became flesh and, and as the message translation puts it, moved into our neighborhood. The God of the universe does not love us and save us from, from some distant heaven, heavens like a director on high, but becomes flesh, comes onto the shore, moves into the drama, dwells among us, walks alongside us. A few years ago, I was in Houston, Texas for a course on leadership in ministry, and in some of the, the course, uh, it was, this course was taught by a couple of recently retired pastors. Some of the course was classroom work, but, but part of the course, they took us on field trips around the Houston area to introduce us to various leaders throughout the cities who, who were Christians themselves that we might learn what it looks like um, to lead from their example and, and maybe even help congregants know what it is to, to lead as people of faith in all kinds of different settings. Well, our first visit was with, with the CEO of Texas Children's Hospital, Mark Wallace. As many of you know, Texas Children's is the largest children's hospital in the nation, an absolutely enormous enterprise. And Mark begins talking about what it is for him to lead as a Christian. And very matter-of-factly, he talks about one of his daily routines. He explained to us that, that there's this one section of the hospital where there's this long, expansive mall area of about 100 yards in length where all kinds of people are constantly bustling to and fro, at least in a non-COVID era. It's normally so busy. And, and, and he makes a point, he would make a point each and every day to walk right through the middle of that 
area. He would budget a half an hour to go 100 yards. Surely, the CEO of the largest children's hospital in the nation has better things to do than walk down the center of the big mall area and listen to folks share little tidbits about their life. Although at this point, or at that point, everyone knew to expect that of him, and, and, and so routinely he would get, Hey, Mark, you have a minute? Which, of course, is never a minute, and he knew that. Yet he was quick to say, that walk, that 100 yards in 30 minutes, that was one of the most essential things he did because it allowed him to draw near and hear from the people. Jesus went ashore. And precisely what happens when Jesus goes ashore, he draws near to the people and all of their fears and all of their hopes, all of their pains and their warts and their wounds. What happens when Jesus draws near to the crowds and all of their stuff? He saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them. Compassion. Literally from the Latin meaning co-suffering or to suffer with. Or as one theologian puts it, compassion is a, a profoundly intense emotional response that propels one feeling the compassion into action on behalf of others. Jesus has this feeling sense of being with the suffering and pains of the crowd such that he is moved to Action. In particular, we read he has compassion because he sees the people are like sheep without a shepherd. Shepherd. It's a common term that was used in ancient times to describe someone who uh, was a political leader, a king, a queen, a monarch. And the phrase sheep without a shepherd is a common refrain we see in a number of spots in Scripture that fundamentally refers to people being especially vulnerable to harm, physically Financially, spiritually, familially, because they don't have a shepherd who cares for them, tends to them, protects them, empowers them, feeds them. In this case, Mark's commentary here is a little nod in the direction of King Herod, who cares little for these sheep. And, and, and his language is also a reminder to the reader that, that the scriptures have also spoken of day when God would come and be the good shepherd the people so desperately needed. Jesus saw the great crowd and he had compassion for them because they saw they were like sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus draws near to the crowds, he sees acutely the vulnerabilities, the hungers, the pains, the spaces of lacking. And his fundamental response to all of that in each of us is not revulsion, is not judgment, is not indifference, is not benign well-wishing, it is compassion. Have we known Jesus to look upon our lives in that way? To meet us in our most vulnerable and aching and hungering spaces and not judge, not berate, not sort of wait, but show compassion. Has someone or someone's been the conduit of, of God's compassion unto our ache, our, our vulnerability, our hurt? 
Because often it is someone or somebody's in the body of Jesus Christ who, who make known the compassion of God, the co-suffering of God. And that's because, as some of you may recall, Jesus ends his ministry in the Gospel of John exhorting us to feed my sheep. As in, in the same way, I, Jesus, have come ashore and entered the drama of your aches, your pains, your shames, your vulnerabilities, and I have shown forth compassion. You too do likewise. Feed my sheep. Be the hands, the feet, and the voice of the good shepherd in this world. Part of what I think it means that we at First Presbyterian Church are rooted, are a rooted congregation, is that God has placed us, planted us, rooted us, not only in Jesus Christ, as we talked about two weeks ago, not only in the First Presbyterian Church family and in the generations that have come before us, as we considered last week, but, but, but planted us, rooted us in the central Texas area and specifically Georgetown, the greater Georgetown area. This is our most immediate crowd scattered upon the shoreline. What does it look like for First Presbyterian Church to seek out the seats located right in the middle of the crowds? Seek out the seats right in the middle of those most vulnerable, most hurting, most overlooked. How can we look upon our neighborhood, our schools, our business communities, our nonprofits, our civic organizations, and see not those people or, or the crowds or, or people here generally by sheer accident? But how do we see with compassion those whom God loves and has brought to this particular shoreline? This feels like a particularly pressing question in our day when so many kinds of crowds and, and are gathering, and it seems often the measure of our compassion toward any one of these crowds or people or gatherings depends upon their affiliations. How easily we can forget we worship a Savior whose compassion led him all the way to the cross. And even there, when he looked upon those who put him on the cross, those he had every reason to despise. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The center of our faith is dripping with compassion for all the wrong people, ourselves most definitely included. Can we risk seeing with compassion those whom God loves? Is that not one of the more profound ways we lift high the cross of Christ in our day? Already many of you have taken those first steps, if not many steps, ashore and towards the crowds and enduring the offertory portion of our service in just a bit. We're going to see highlighted in a video presentation many of the ways that you all have drawn near to the crowds in Georgetown, and really throughout Central Texas. And if you have taken some of these steps of faith, then you well know uh, the, the joy and unpredictability of stepping into this call, and you probably also know the, the hardest part about stepping ashore, choosing a seat right in the midst of the drama. You know that to choose compassion is to choose no longer to be in control 
of what takes place next. Jesus planned to get some rest. That was the instated intent of what was going to happen next, how the day was going to unfold. That was a good plan, a timely plan, and sometimes that genuinely needs to remain the plan. But, but in this case, he comes ashore, and, and, and because he sees with compassion, well, the next thing we read that happens is now he's teaching. And shortly thereafter, he's, he's actually feeding this crowd with loaves and fishes. Teaching and feeding were not on the agenda that day. They were not the plan. But that really is the thing about choosing a seat in the actual drama. You're drawn right into the script you didn't write, you're very much part of, but you didn't write, and and your whole body now feels itself connected with all of these other other bodies and their energy and and their direction, and so you're always wondering where your next move might be, where you might next be going, how you might next respond and relate to these people. Who knows what will come next? Who knows who we might suddenly be be loving or helping or advocating for because we opened ourselves to a feeling sense of of co-suffering for one whom God loves. And yet I tell you, I lament that night in Chicago I chose one of the seats at the periphery where I remained at a distance outside the drama in total control of how much or how little I paid attention, engaged, or didn't engage. It was a good show, but I am convinced I missed out. I missed out on the vitality and the animation the soul knows only when risking taking a seat immersed in the heart of the drama. And as our story makes clear, stepping in compassion also means stepping in a life-giving direction we could never have anticipated. Because right very shortly after Jesus comes ashore, sees with compassion the crowd, very shortly after this, Jesus finds himself famously feeding the 5,000 with a couple fish and five loaves. What began as a willingness to step ashore and see with compassion ends with one of the most memorable miracles in all of Scripture. And it does make me wonder what miracles God has in store for us as we risk letting our bodies and our hearts take seats in the heart of God's kingdom drama unfolding all around us. And I wonder uh, very particularly where the Holy Spirit might be nudging each of us to take up a first seat or maybe the next seat. Amen. Amen.